This podcast is a conversation by Julie Benetti and Susan Bobro and is a production of VI Alliance. Copyright 2020. And this chart-busting hit, Alone Leave Me, courtesy of New Threads, is available everywhere. Hey, Susan. So we are continuing with our Kabbalion and Me podcast series inside of our Kabbalion conversation series. And we just had this great podcast about gender and integrating it with kind of all the spaces and vibrations and energies and things that we have been consuming. And I shared that I wanted to go back into the archives and find where we talked about some of our stuff more completely and uh, one of our books and why, why we wrote it. And it related to, uh, you know, the specifics of what we were talking about in, in uh, you know, about yourself, about who I am, about self-care and about health. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we, we kind of took it offline and I thought, you know, I want to go in the archives. I can't remember because it was years ago that we did it. Mm-hmm. And it would be, <laughs> and you brought up a great point, which I, I don't want to take from you. So if you want to share. Because... <laughs> no, go ahead. It's the truth. No, you, may, you know, and the, and the funny thing about it is, well, hmm, that was a long time ago. And I, I'm not really sure what we were talking about, but I know it related to this, this whole concept of who I am and just where all this material came from. And again, that was back then. So sometimes you cringe because it's like, you know, looking at a high school picture in a yearbook. And, you know, I don't know what our voices will sound like and stuff, but it's, it's kind of fun also to share from the archives, you know, where we were then and, but, and what we were expressing. And I think that what's interesting is I always say it's great to timestamp something because mm-hmm. if you go back and listen to it, this is, it's either easy five years ago, five plus years ago, and we've done right. so much since then. So going back to that, I don't, know, I don't know if I have it in myself to listen to it, but it really mm. was a raw place of writing the book when we did it and what we went through in, uh, when we wrote it and, and how we got there. And again, this is before the Kabbalion. This is before Neville Goddard. This is, I had read right. uh, Napoleon Hill years ago. So I, you know, but this is really before we went so much further. And now, of course, in these podcasts, we're revisiting it at a different point in time. So we're going to see things differently. So and listen to the old archives. Who knows what's going to come up and who knows what's going to show up as, you know, you might hear the Kabbalion in it, but this was recorded five years ago before I had even really read the Kabbalion so and and you know knows? me a, a, a huge time travel and Doctor Who yeah. fan and anytime you put in time and I, I love to go back and think hmm what did I know that I didn't know that I knew back then right exactly. you know that I expressed <laughs> And, and I think I, I would listen and I would go, wait a minute, because yes. there, there are different podcasts I listen to and there are different, you know, recordings I listen to and books on tape. And, you know, what happens is I hear them differently mm-hmm. based in where I am. And so I think, you know, it's very um, so can honorable I, of us to. <laughs> you know this. what I would hope? <laughs> do and I hope from it, honestly, because I haven't listened to them. I don't think I ever listened to them after we re- recorded them. The <laughs> only thing I would hope is that they would be timeless. If I had mm. any hope for them, mm. I mean, I'm gosh knows what I sound like. And I probably have a bunch of blah, blah, and interrupting well, and, blah, and eating chips and 
<laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I you know, to, I remember we were sitting on the floor in, in your room there in your house and we were just kind of like, and you're like, what am I doing? What are we doing? And I said, just come on, let's talk about it. Let's just talk about it. Cause I, I always wanted to know why, why someone would, you know, b- b- compile all this stuff mm. and do all this stuff and where were they coming from and why was this addressed mm-hmm. and you know you could you could probably you know I would say maybe I was a little shy or back then I'm not sure but maybe yeah you know maybe I was talked out from because we were trying to like read it and do an audio version whatever but whatever the case may be I think it adds another dimension it to it and I think in this dimension filled existence it's a very cool place to be and and i think so, people can also i keep on saying i think people can also make their own parallels with the sure. Kabbalion from it which we maybe didn't even know we were talking about back then okay so i'm going to just throw this out there how many listens do we have to reach and then i'll have to listen to it i'm not going to listen i'll go back and listen to it if it hits a certain number I don't know what the number is. Maybe we'll, we'll say that number off, but I will make that commitment. If it reaches a certain number, I will cringe, but I will go back and listen to it. I don't know what that number is. I, I just, I just have to, say, it's funny because you're, you know, and when you talk about numbers, you know, you go to the CPA end, right? Yeah. <laughs> I go to the numerology end, but you brought up Larry David in the last podcast. And I remember one of his comments was, you know, I got to the point where he wrote stuff that he found funny. Right. And he didn't care if anyone didn't think it was funny. And, you know, I, I listen to our podcasts as I'm processing them and I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's I enjoy them. Important. That's important. Yep. Exactly. All right. Let's see how okay. it goes. Okay. Here we go. Enjoy. <laughs> Hi, this is Julie here with Susan, and I have to ask you, what's one of the favorite books that we've written together? Which one would you say? My favorite would be Energetic Invocations, Mm. because you tricked me into writing it, (laughs) and it wrote itself, and I just was grateful to be a part of it. I like all the books we've written. We've had so much fun, but that's probably my favorite. You know, I agree with you. I love Energetic Invocations, and I love the invocations because they're really powerful, and I love the way it slides into the Endra book. So the Endra scripts is really fun as well. So I agree with you. Yep. Awesome. So Julie, we wrote 10 plays of the Endra scripts. Yes. Do they seem believable to you? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? They're a hoot. I relive them most of the time. (laughs) But they're not traditional magic scripts. No, they're not. It's real magic based in energy. It's cool stuff. And everybody can do it. That's right. Everybody can. As you know, traditionally, the director's cut appears on DVDs and gives you the inside scoop on the actors, the movie, and of course, the directorial process. EI Alliance, in association with Julie Benetti and Susan Barbaro, is the first to create the author's cut. For the first time ever, you get to hear the who, what, where, when, why, and how the authors came up with what they wrote directly from the authors. This is revolutionary action. 
access to the creative energy and to the creative energy surrounding the authors. Please note these conversations for the author's cut occurred in 2015 after the authors published Energetic Invocations, a book of vibrational change. Back then, the original recordings were produced with an audio version of the book read by the authors as well. All copyrights and disclaimers of the book apply to these podcasts. So enjoy as the authors discuss Energetic Invocations, a book of vibrational change, also known as the Blue Book of Energy, and Energetic Invocations series, a book of vibrational change, volumes 1 to 17 with Process This. Part 1, Self, Who I Am. Hi, this is Julie Benetti. And this is Susan Barbaro. Who I am. Really getting to the truth of that. It's not who am I, it's who I am. Knowing that you are meant to be you. And that's the only person you were meant to be. You know, I was placed on this earth to be the best Susan Barbaro that ever lived. I was not meant to be here and be as good as this person or that person or a mentor or better than someone. I wasn't meant to be better than anyone. I was meant to be me. And by investigating yourself and asking these kind of questions and questioning your beliefs and following that journey, you start to define who that is. And actually, once you uncover all the stories and things that you have been told, and you let all of that go, then what happens is like going in and cleaning the whole house. And then you're sitting there with four white walls. And now you get to decide what color rug you want. You get to put up pictures. And when there's nothing or nobody dictating, you get to do whatever you want. And if we all do that, imagine what this world looks like. I'm not in competition with anyone. No one's in competition with me. I am my own worst competition because I'm going to constantly push myself to be who I am supposed to be. But that's in no relation to anyone else. And once you realize that, there's nothing you have to do to deserve anything. I don't need to take anything from anyone. I don't need to do anything other than be who I am. There's nothing I need from anyone else. And the more I understand that, then I don't need to take from anyone else. And once you get that awareness, you get more clarity. And Mm -hmm. you start to, like you said, you start to fill up your clean room because you've been doing the work. And now you get to have fun in it. And you start to really realize, well, wait a minute. I want to be the best Julie Benetti that I can be. Why would I want to be someone else? And what does that mean? And as you keep following that journey, I mean, the energy is very powerful. You know, we're talking about the ego Mm -hmm. with this. And the ego's there to help you. Imagine that. And imagine (laughs) that. I mean, I think it's gotten the bad rap. People think that the ego, kill the ego, the ego is bad. Well, here's the down dirty truth. The ego is a natural part of you. We are all born with an ego intact. So if you think that you can destroy it, Mm. It's like cutting off your leg and saying, Mm. oh, I got a bad leg. Well, guess what? You're going to have to learn to compensate without it, right? And if it's something that is good, if someone loses a leg, we put a prosthetic leg. We do things to try to help them to get the rest of the body working. If it's something that we're taking away and saying it's bad, we're fooling ourselves. Well, you're not recognizing that it's there to help you. 
to help you be your highest and best? So the ego has gotten a bad rap. We talk about entelechy. It has to do, the ego is to try to help me be Susan Barbro and you, Julie Benatti, and the reader to be who the reader is. The reader is not supposed to read this book and now try to be the next Julie Benatti. The reader is supposed to read the book and become the best who they are. Exactly. Separate from us. This isn't a philosophy. We're trying to get you to believe and follow us. That's not what this is. This is about you excavating who you are, who I am, not asking who, who am I? No, who I am. And the ego is meant to step in and help us define who I am. What do you like? What don't you like? And when you allow the ego to speak and become a part of you, it's balanced. You don't need anything from else. When my ego is intact, I'm not going to sit and compete with someone. I'm going to compete with myself. Right, which is the best competition. Exactly. Exactly. However, conversely, if I beat the heck out of my ego and I am not going to allow it to step up and be and say what it needs to say, well, then it goes into survivor mode. Well, now I'm going to be a better Julie Benetti. I, I, she's doing this. I have to do that. Or you go into, you know, what can I do with this talent I have? Well, if you do this, then these are the vocations that you can move into. All of a sudden, the ego just, it starts to go into competition Mm. and it starts to go into survivor mode. (gasps) Because if you beat it down, guess what? It's going to go into survivor mode because that is part of what we believe the ego's forces and part of its purpose is self-realization, self-actualization, becoming who you are meant to be. And if the ego is allowed to do it, egocentric it means nothing mm-hmm. because if my ego's intact it helps to answer the question who i am i'm not competing with anyone else no. but that's a balanced ego and what's funny is the bullying that tends to occur when you try to be who you are has no impact on you you understand what this is it has no impact on you and to address the issue of bullying which is a whole topic on its own is a bully bullies so as not to be bullied Meaning that bullies perpetuate bullying. If you don't react to the bullying because your ego is intact and you have a healthy response, you are no longer going to continue bullying because you're going to see someone who has an ability or a skill or something instead of saying, hey, I got to knock them down. You're going to say, pump it up. Do that. Look, I've done this because when you see more people doing it, you have more inspiration to do that yourself. And as you said, the healthy response relates to your ego being intact. Yes. And being balanced. Yes. And you getting that your ego is there to help you. Yes. If you don't allow it, then things get mucky because the ego is not going away. And if you think that you're going to beat the heck out of your ego, Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, you will not do it. Not in a healthy way. So why not turn around and look at something that's been given to you and embrace it? And when it's in balance, you are not going to fall into any of the things that everyone has told us. And you start to make the true decisions for yourself based on truth. Exactly. And you move in a healthier manner with healthier energy. The ego is almost, you know, people talk about life purpose and people talk about what do I want to do? What can I do? But when you allow your ego to speak, the truth of the ego isn't, hey, guess what? You can do it better than them. You're faster than them. The ego doesn't say that. You know what the ego will turn around and say? Hey, remember last week when you drew that picture and you had fun doing it? Do, do Continue doing something in the art world. 
It's going to tell you you're a good athlete. Wow, look at you finally got an opportunity to go out there and play tennis. Look how great you played. The ego is going to tell you, go out there and practice and do more of it. We like that. I'm a good cook. People, no, 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 I'm not. The ego's telling you're a good cook. Why not just go out? It doesn't mean you have to become now a chef. It just mm. means this is what I like doing. It's a part of who I am. Embrace it. It doesn't define you. It just helps to define a little bit more of who you are. And the ego doesn't have one. It's not like a straight road. It's not going to call you an athlete. It's not going to call you a chef. It's not going to call you a teacher. It's not going to call you a healer. It's going to open up doors to different things that you like to do. And if you allow it to speak, you're going to find three or four different things and put it together in a way that everyone will say, how'd you do that? You didn't do it. All you did is you opened up to these other parts of you that you didn't know existed. And instead of shutting the door, say, no, 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 no. You opened the door and you said, hey, that's pretty cool. That is one way of receiving guidance and with the important verb there allow allowing it not killing it right saying hey i hear you allowing it to help you and to help you thrive in who i am and i guess the important part of this is i think a lot of people are probably afraid of it thinking oh my god i'm going to be seen as egotistical i'm going to be seen as being selfish i'm going to be seen as being full of myself society gives it a bad rap exactly but i think to not say that i would be amiss if i didn't say that of course that's going to be your initial thought i shouldn't do this who am i you know because then of course you know you're going to try to beat up the ego by saying what do i know again i'm not thin enough i'm not smart Mm. enough i'm not pretty enough whatever enough you want to put in there I'm here to say that you are enough as you are. Open it up and listen to it. And eventually you'll find when it's in balance, it has nothing to do with anyone else. Mm. It's all for you. Right, it's all Just for you. Just for you. <laughs> That's a pretty cool gift. Why wouldn't you take it? Exactly. Why are we ignoring it? Utilize it, right? And so, you know, part of the bullying, bullying gets a stronger and stronger hold on people because, oh, we're told to give up your ego. So instead of embracing your difference, what makes you different than everybody... We're told to hide it. You know, you're different. You're weird. Something's wrong with you. The ego isn't going to say that. The ego will go in, into complete survival mode. Of course. And say, no, we're going to fight this and we're going to, I'm going to fight for you is what the ego's saying. And you get angry. You either go into striking out against someone, which is one side of the ego survival, or you beat yourself up even more. You beat down the ego. You turn on and self-mutilate. And all the ego is trying to say is, hey, wait a minute, you're okay. And once you get it, even the whole, again, I go back to the whole idea of bullying, which is rampant in society. Mm -hmm. And don't think it's just kids. It's the adults that are the worst bullies once the person understands who i am all that bullying you see right through it you realize that there's nothing to it and then therefore again you don't perpetuate it but you also can look at someone else who's being bullied and say don't listen to them right listen again, to who that's you are where the true power is again. and one of the things that we talk about in this and we talked about in the previous segment is starting to listen to the truth you can trust yourself i mean if you can't trust anyone else you can trust yourself and the ego is a part of yourself. Sometimes you just sit there and open it up and it's going to go until it's like, okay, now here I am. It's almost like it's going to do a brain dump for a minute. And then it starts talking and you will hear it and you'll know because you will feel lighter. You'll feel good about yourself. The whole concept of I'm better than someone or less than someone goes away. When the ego is intact and speaks from its truth, again, nothing about anyone else. And it's time to trust that truth and allow it to help you. 
So The Kabbalion by Three Initiates is a really cool book. You can read it and read it again and keep on getting different information. And yet there's always somewhere else to go with The Kabbalion. And that's always the question that we have is how do we approach it from a different angle? We came up with a great answer. We Which, put together a book of trivia on The Kabbalion. And that is one way that we pushed ourselves into looking at it from a different perspective. Exactly. And so if you're listening to our podcast and you want to go further into more of the energy, you got to check this ebook out because it will propel you. And it's only pennies. But it's worth so much more because when you get in that space, if you can have something that can take you and send you somewhere else in the energy in a different way, it's priceless. Touche. Hi, Julie here. Susan and I appreciate you listening to our podcast. Did you also know we've written lots of ebooks and books together? Check out the link in our bio. Find us both on Amazon author pages. Julie, you don't do trivia like everybody else. Oh, no. I started with the Christmas trivia book because I found all this really interesting Christmas content. And so I started making really fun questions. Stuff that nobody else has asked. But you didn't stop there. Nope. I'm working on Halloween, Samhain, and trivia on magic in Salem. And love trivia that's going to be a bit X-rated. You have another one. Yes. We worked on it together. The Kabbalion trivia. And anyone who's heard our podcast or read The Kabbalion by Three Initiates, you got to get this. It's an ebook. It's on Amazon. And you might end up thinking about The Kabbalion in ways that you would never have imagined. And that's the purpose of trivia because it works at your brain, mind, consciousness, and gets you in all types of cool energy to propel from. And isn't that what we like to do? It is. Part one, self. How do I exhibit self-care? self-care what it is and what it is not so being selfish greedy that's what we thinking about yourself all the time being competitive hurting yourself a whole laundry list of items hurting others thinking only of yourself i think it also boils down to the idea that you know self-care is looked at as being selfish how can Mm. you take care of yourself over someone else that's horrible how do you do that and if you did that oh my gosh it's a poor reflection but you know i keep going to the visual of when you you know you're on a plane and they talk about a mother with children and if the oxygen mask you know you put your mask on and then you can help them because if you don't put in your mask because you want to help everyone you know something you gotta you know if you're fortunate enough and nothing happens you know you take care of everyone yeah you get yours on it's not about no me first it's more about let me take care of myself and then i can fully take care of everybody but true self-care you know if you don't operate from self-care you're a needy person so really in the in this section we said all about what self-care isn't and then what it is so when you operate from awareness from that standpoint you're fully in the space of who you are and you start to exhibit constant self-care. It's great the way we have that section in here about how that same awareness and presence can be related to nature, the tree. So, you know, the tree, it it wants to be a tree. The tree's not out to try to be the ocean or the sky, it's just the tree. And as it takes care of itself, you know, as the tree absorbs the water it needs, it, you know, takes in the sunshine that it needs to grow, as it exhibits self-care, then it actually can provide shelter 
It can provide a home for other types of nature, you know, birds and other animals. It's only through its own self-care can it provide that. I mean, similarly, when you when I think of a person, someone who is self-sufficient, who takes care of themselves, and I don't mean to the expense of anyone else, because that's not self-care. No. But if you take care of yourself and you do what you need, not to take from someone, not to hurt someone, but for what you need, only then can you actually give to someone else in a way that you're not looking for something in return. Right, freely and without expectation. And in that sense, when we look to nature and we look to the tree, it does all that, and then it lives in harmony with everything around it. Exactly. So when you are exhibiting self-care, that is really the, you know, you're bringing your best self forward to your community. You're not needy. You're not looking for anything. You're not operating from a lack or deficiency. And in that, you're able to bring a full and complete you. And then you can really contribute however you want to contribute to your community, to your family, to whomever, because you're not needy and you're not operating from guilt or expectation. You are truly able to do what you choose to do. And you're taking the time to consider what it is you want, what mm-hmm. it is you want to do. Who you know? does that? I mean, you, you know, if you ask somebody, most people, not everybody, but, you know, what, what are you going to do about this? The first thing you think of is, well, what does this person need? What does that person need? Right. If I don't do this, what are people going to think? And, you know, am I going to get in trouble at work? Or am I going to mm-hmm. get yelled at by someone? Or is someone going to think I'm mean? And there's no self-care in that. And in that breath of space, you're not taking the time to think, what is it I want? No. You know, one of the invocations is, for me, that was so powerful is I will take a moment to consider what I want to do. That's, for me personally, for me as was, well. was huge yeah. to really think about what do I want to do with this. And, you know, you will change. You will change once you start operating from self-care. And what happens is the people that want you to fulfill their roles and fulfill their needs is dysfunctional as that might be they're not going to be happy with you and they're not going to they're not going to just sit back and say oh wow good for you they're going to you're going to be called all kinds even if it doesn't relate to selfishness it's going to be related mm. to you're mean you're nasty mm. you're you know again i don't want to sit here and start creating names for people but and sometimes when you operate from self-care the truth is those who you affect you tend to do things that are in their best interests even if it doesn't appear that way when you're doing it. You know, I equate it to, you know, an alcoholic. You know, if someone's in that space and you're trying to help them, you want to, you know, you enable them because you love them. You want to help them. Mm. But actually by saying no and sort of cutting them off, it feels horrible. But you know to the core that is what's really helping them because you don't want to support any kind of a self-destructive behavior. You don't want to, but sometimes doing the right thing doesn't always feel good. But after a while, you get to the other side of it, and you realize that it was exactly what you needed to do. And that's hard. Sometimes that's just hard, unless you remind yourself. And getting yourself to that breath of space to take that moment. Once again, it's just that clear and simple, but sometimes it's really hard to do. You Mm -hmm. take that moment to consider what you want. Right. And then you realize you're actually minding your own business with self-care. I mean, who else is going to mind it except yourself? Why are you minding anyone else's business? Right. Well, people will mind your business, but with ulterior motives. Mm -hmm. They're going to mind your business as long as it fits into whatever role they choose it to be. 
That's why that, you know, we say mind your business with self-care. And that takes you along the path of remembering who you are. Exactly. And once you exhibit self-care, you find out who you are, and then you start to go into, you know, you, you start changing your world. And you think at first that maybe you're not doing the right thing, or, you know, you're not being the good daughter, the good sister, the mm. good brother, the good, you know, spouse, whatever it is, until you really get the concept and you start living from that space. And then you understand that the truth is everyone benefits when you exhibit self-care for yourself. It may not be immediate, but once you do that consistently and with your every action, everyone benefits. Part one, self. What is it like to be healthy? Defining what it's like to be healthy. What does that mean? Isn't that what everybody wants to know? Sure. Wow, isn't it awesome if you can figure out you can be a healer, you can heal everything. Or more importantly, you can heal yourself. We talk a lot about healing and we mention that doctors and holistic practitioners and quote healers can help you get the body back to the state that it was in before it got sick. Medicine can do that, drugs can do that, but healing is only comes from within. The whole idea of being able to put yourself in a better place can only come from within. You could do it with help from others. Right. And that brings up a funny point that, you know, in consideration of your health, take into consideration, you know, the medical environments, you know, what appointments you have to go through, the kind of life that you live, you know, the energy around you, your words and thoughts and all these things. And they all, like you said, surround you. So if we say that, when someone comes and tells you that you can heal yourself, you know, I think many people can tailspin into a guilt. Oh, I'm mm. sick. Or then, you know, people can get angry and say, well, what about this person? How dare you say that? First of all, let me say that we're not saying every single situation is reflective of this. When you go through this entire book, there's some parts that you're going to resonate with and say, oh, my God, I am doing this. And then there's other parts that you're not going to. You're going to say, no, I'm not doing that. And you, mm. but, but if you of if course. you ask that from a truthful standpoint, there are some people that get sick. And we say in the book at different times, we all fall into that realm of needing help. And sometimes that is a part of your journey. And so what I'm saying isn't every single person who's in a position has created this and you should be healthy. Sometimes we learn from our sickness as we stated in there and your life changes because of it right also what's hugely valuable is your consideration of that question is what is it like to be healthy and like we said before is it what other people are saying to you if someone's deciding oh you look sick then all of a sudden do you feel sick so it's what that means to you when we talk about being healthy and being sick and we talk there, there's parts of it that you know a person may react in a certain way question becomes if someone looks at you is already being sick, how do you conquer that and get to the other side? So one of the questions that we ask is, what would it mean if you were healthy? What would that mean to your friends, your family? What would that mean right. about work? Right. What would that mean about the definition of who you are? Those are the questions to contemplate to see what the sickness is for you. And the truth of it. Because it's for you. Mm -hmm. It's not being done to you. It's something that's for you to learn, to experience, or whatever. And if you move to that space of there's something for me in this, then you can look at those questions. Those will help you to decide. And then it's a situation of if this is something that you're perpetuating a story, and the story's not working for you, you can undo the story. 
you know, if you're having a heart attack, the doctor can go, you go in and they can restart your heart and open up the, the blood vessels or whatever it is you need. Then you take it and you do what you want with it. You could sit there and beat yourself up and send yourself back in the hospital. Or you could say, wait a second, what am I doing here? I mean, that's Western medicine. This isn't even talking about where we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, either you, you jump in the bandwagon of being healthy or you don't. And I think this is just a discussion is where do you fall with this? And understanding that some of it is, I don't want to say it's preventable, but what is your part in it? And even if you have some, again, a preconceived disability, there are people out there with disabilities, mm-hmm. perceived disabilities that are doing amazing things. Things that other mm-hmm. people are like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. How are they doing that? They're amazing. Just because they don't see it as a disability, they've kind of moved beyond it. They've moved into, okay, well, here I am. What am I going to do? And I think that's huge. That mindset is huge. And that connects into the energy of it. And exactly. looking as we talk about, you know, how science looks at, you know, the good energy that you surround your thoughts and you surround, you know, how you move and that affects you as well. Mm-hmm. So we also talk about giving from a place of abundance and giving freely with that. And we connect it into charities. You know, we contemplated a lot of things in this world and in life. We looked at charities. We looked at ego. We looked at bullying. We looked at a lot of things that don't really quite seem to be working. When you are constantly volunteering and giving, and it comes from a place where you are not full and complete, it doesn't make sense. I mean, because there are people who volunteer and donate and still don't feel good about anything. And when you look at that, that's a telltale sign that something is not correct. So we started investigating the idea of charities. Charities were set up to help a person in need, be it sickness, be it financial, disaster. It was set up to help someone in need. You know, I use the idea of a mainland and an island. Everyone's on the mainland. Something happens to someone and they kind of get moved off the mainland. They they feel like they're in an island, kind of off, lost. And, you know, charity's supposed to go in, be like a boat, go pick up the person and bring them back to the mainland. So in the ideal, you know, for the most part, a charity is like temporary. It's something that you give, you know, you think of any disaster, you know, if it's money or it's aid, it comes in, it helps them in their greatest time of need. And then they can continue to be who they are now. And they move from that space. Charities, as they are now, in many cases, instead of being in need for the recipient, there's a need for the donor. People are donating for their own needs. The donors are in need of charity because there's a lot of issues surrounding worthiness. I'm going to use egocentric. Certain people, sometimes it's a who's who of the charity world. It's really not about let's set up something because such and such happened. We need to help this person. It becomes the people that are donating are donating to fulfill a need that they have. And that corrupts the charity because when you're giving from a place of lack or deficiency, it's no different than a person who doesn't operate from self-care. Mm-hmm. If you don't operate from self-care, you're needy if you're donating because there's something that you are truly looking to receive but what is that saying about the charity it's already corrupted and one of the things is it's easy sometimes to see with a business a business who's made billions of dollars and has done that by not paying people fairly unscrupulous business practices deceiving or anything that's not on the up and up and i understand fair competition and you know you try to do your best if you're operating from that and now you've got more money than you could ever have i mean you look at huge captains of industry that made billions and they set up all these charities 
you know, if, because that if you donate, oh, well, well, we're undoing kind of some of the bad we did because we're donating now. You know, and I always say it's all is worth of good deeds, fair business practices, and kindness is worth more than than a million dollars in a charity. You know, the energy side of it. Thank you for listening to this production from EI Alliance. Check out our Amazon authors pages for books and podcasts. Find New Threads music and their latest album on iTunes, Spotify, and newthreads.us.